Hello and welcome to another episode of Meanwhile in Athens, the podcast where we talk with interesting, wonderful, and creative people. On today's podcast, we have Lynn, who is a Kundalini yoga teacher. She is an Enneagram instructor. She has written a couple of books, and she has been a big part of the Athens community for many, many years. So I hope that you enjoy today's podcast, and let's get started. everybody welcome back to meanwhile in athens the podcast where we talk with people living here in athens greece who are doing interesting wonderful positive or creative things and today on this show like always we have somebody who's doing uh, many of the uh, above mentioned things we have lynn who i met i believe it was around three years ago initially at a at a rooftop party then we crossed paths again when i was doing some yoga and she she teaches yoga so i did some yoga lessons with her and then more recently we crossed path again uh, we were both on the same website trusted house sitters and i had pleasure of looking after her pets while she traveled so uh, all of these have been really positive experiences and so i wanted to bring her onto the podcast and talk a little bit about her journey and the things that she's doing here in athens so welcome lynn thank you for joining thank you eric for having me my pleasure uh maybe before we uh, kind of get too much into what you are doing here you could talk a little bit about uh, your journey. I believe you're from San Francisco, if I recall correctly. Yeah, so I am from, I'm American. I'm from San Francisco, California. I uh, moved to Greece in 2012 after having lived in San Francisco for 15 years. In San Francisco, I had a completely different life. So I am a certified public accountant, a CPA, and I had a finance career there. I moved to Greece for the first three years. I kept doing my finance work while doing uh, yoga on the side. And after about three years of living in Greece and working remotely um, with San Francisco clients doing finance work, I decided to close that chapter and turn my attention completely to the Enneagram, which is a system of personality that I teach, and Kundalini Yoga and combining those two systems. So I wrote my first book in 2015 and had it published in 2016. And then a couple of years later, I wrote my second book. And that's what I've been doing. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's quite, a, quite a drastic shift in uh... Uh, in, yeah. in lifestyle, what, what, was, was there something specific that sort of what, what led you, I guess, to yoga in the, in the first place? And, and then how did it become such a part of your life that you were willing to give up, which what, what, what I imagine was a pretty uh, successful career in, uh, in accounting? Yeah, that's a great question. So I came to Kundalini Yoga through a relationship breakup, actually. So in 2007, I was living with my boyfriend who I'd been with for several years. We were splitting up. I was having a hard time with it. And a friend of his just saw that I was struggling and said to me, maybe you should try Kundalini Yoga because that's how I got through my divorce. Um, I had never heard of Kundalini Yoga. 
I wasn't even a yoga person, but I was suffering enough that I decided I would give it a try. So one morning I went to a Kundalini yoga class at the you know, Kundalini Yoga Center in San Francisco and had my first class. And that was kind of the beginning of the shift, I would say. Okay. So even from that first class, you felt a, a deep connection with it or did it take a while? A, a deep connection is not how I would describe it, but stable and better. I mean, I was okay. just you know, in the middle of a breakup and not feeling well. I think I'd been crying before I got to class. I was hoping I wouldn't cry in class. Right. <laughs> by the end of class, I was actually feeling really good and really clear and really stable. So I thought, okay, I don't really know what just happened, but I'll do this again again. Sure. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. And then did you already start teaching it when you were in California? Or did you only begin teaching when you arrived to Greece? Yeah, no. So I, I started teaching in California. And what happened was I started going weekly to the classes. Uh, you know, after about six months, I was kind of through that period and feeling stable again. But by then I was curious about like, what is this practice that I've been doing that's been so helpful? So I started taking workshops and more classes and going to festivals. And then in 2008 and 2009, I decided to do the 200 hour Kundalini yoga teacher training. So I became officially a teacher in 2009, still having my finance career, but I started teaching uh, one night a week in the financial district, just kind of like something on the side. Mm -hmm. So I started doing that. And then when I moved in 2012, I continued teaching, of course, then to a Greek audience. So. Right. And now there are, of course, many, many places around the world where you could have been teaching yoga. What specifically <laughs> about Greece uh, drew you here? Yeah, to be super clear, I didn't come to Greece to teach yoga, or at least okay. that wasn't the way it lined up in my mind. I came to Greece for reasons that even today I can't actually explain. I describe it was probably like a calling is the closest thing I could say. I had no connection to Greece. I don't have Greek roots. There was no Greek man. There was no Greek job. It was none of the regular stuff. Right. But the thoughts almost like from outer space <laughs> started coming into my head very clearly that I should go to Athens and Athens is where I should be. So I'm not impulsive at all, but not about big important things. So first I came for a month, like as an experiment to see what was Athens. I had a great time. So then later I came back for a two month stint. And then after that, I decided, okay, you know, what are you going to do? And then I decided I would move. So that's what happened. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, so it didn't take you too long after uh, exploring to, to decide to take the leap. It, I, it didn't take too long, but I would definitely underscore that it wasn't all at once. It was definitely step by step. Okay, okay. And I say that because I moved in February of 2012, but in December of 2010, so a little, uh, you know, a year, a little more than a year before, someone had asked me, would you ever move to Greece? And I said, no way. <laughs> I have no interest in moving. And I did it. At the time, that was a really true statement. Right, right. But then as I started to come and started to kind of wade into what the experience would be like, then things shifted. So it was definitely step by step. And when people come to me asking for advice about how to change or how to move, I, I really say, you know, I think each person's situation is different, but what worked for me was baby steps right, and going right. once and then going a second time and then deciding to move. That makes so. sense. Make sure that you're, you're uh, happy with it and, and, you, and it feels right before you, before you sell everything and, <laughs> and, and, and move over. Did you ever track down that person who told who you said uh, no way to and and, and oh, he's a friend them. of mine yeah oh, okay. no, no, he's a friend of mine. it was at a, it was at a christmas dinner at my condo in san francisco and it was okay you know, okay friends are all around me and one of them says would you ever yeah. move i'm like no 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 chance oh, oh, oh. now we laugh about it <laughs> 
And was it difficult initially uh, from a bureaucratic perspective to be able to, to live here? <laughs> I mean, Greece, that's always hard. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it, I think it depends on your attitude. I expected it to be hard, so it was not harder than I was expecting. Okay. However, if I had gone in thinking it's going to be smooth, that would have been hard because it, it definitely, it's a lot of paperwork and it's a lot of bureaucracy and it's a lot of mixed messages and you have to be right. like quite persistent, you know, the regular stuff. And I think a lot of people assume that whatever country they're moving to is uh, unnecessarily burdensome, but I think it's pretty much everywhere nowadays. There's always going to be the, the bureaucracy and obstacles. And it seems like every year in every country, it's getting more and more difficult. You know, it's easy to, to kind of pinpoint Greece, but I, I think, you know, I, I've lived in Czech Republic and it has its own sort of issues and probably moving to the US or Canada is, is going to be no picnic either. So I think it's I think it's a, a worldwide thing that there's, that there's always going to be some sort of issues with uh, with doing the relocation. Yeah, I, I mean, I only have my own experience. So I, I can't say right. with one country. So um, right. what, what I would say is, I looked at it as I was grateful that I had the opportunity. And so then when the obstacles presented themselves, I just looked at them as obstacles that had to be surmounted. Yeah, 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 exactly. It wasn't that, oh, I'm so angry at Greece. I was always have felt very grateful that I am able to be here. So. Right. Um, and now the yoga that you're teaching now, is it still kind of the same style that you had originally gotten into? Or have you? Have you yeah. Uh... So I've only actually uh, trained in Kundalini yoga. That is the only yoga. I'm qualified to teach. So that okay. is the only yoga that I know or that I teach. With the pandemic, everything has shifted. So I used to teach classes on my roof deck and, and all of that. At the moment, I'm not doing any in-person classes even now. Uh, so I have online and I ended up starting a YouTube channel where I have lots and lots of videos for anybody who wants to follow. So that's how I'm doing it at the moment. Um, I've kind of shifted my focus to the Enneagram, which is a system of personality I teach. And so that's that's what I'm focusing on more. I would say a, a little bit more yeah maybe we can talk a little bit about that because I've been to yoga classes many times and I'm a, I'm a big fan mm -hmm. of it but the Enneagram thing I'm uh, fairly uh, uneducated on on that so maybe you could talk a little bit about these uh, personality uh, types are and, and how you how you got into that and and is it uh, kind of connected to to the yoga at all or is it really like a different a different thing altogether yeah I mean I'll start just with it, what it is it's a the Enneagram is a system of human personality that helps to explain why people behave the way they do. So it helps me to understand my own behavior. And if I know your Enneagram type, it will help me understand your behavior. Um, so I call it the Rosetta Stone for human behavior. Okay, <laughs> okay. <if> <laughs> ever been confused about why did somebody do that thing they just did, the Enneagram will give you a framework to understand it. So I teach it as a tool for compassion, because I think most of the time when we are having conflict with people, it's because we're not actually understanding what's going on for them we're, we're disconnecting and the Enneagram kind of provides a bridge to understand ah like that's how this person is interpreting events and seeing the situation so um, once, once you know how they are perceiving the the issue you can have a better chance of resolving it with them because their perspective could be very different obviously from yours. Exactly. And it's, you may not ever like the behavior, but at least you'll have a deeper understanding of how they're under, how they're interpreting what is happening. Mm -hmm. so. And is it similar to like uh, Zodiac signs where there's certain numbers that you are more compatible with, or is it, is it, is it not like that? <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll break it into two things. Is it like the Zodiac? It is not like the Zodiac. One of the main differences, many main differences, but one of the fundamental differences in the Zodiac, you're born into your type and you know, you're, 
birth date, time, location, that determines your zodiac. Right. In the Enneagram, you self-type. So there are nine habits of attention and you will have to identify yourself. So okay. I, even if I'm an Enneagram expert, I can't tell you what type you are. You would have to tell me. I can help you figure that out, but it's really a, an exercise in kind of uh, self-observation and self-reflection. So that to your question of, are there type pairings that get along better? That is what my entire second book was about. Okay. I'll, cut, I'll cut to the, it's a 500 page book, but I'll cut sure, to the chase. Sure. <laughs> the answer is no, any type combination can be highly successful or highly unsuccessful, mainly depending on the levels of self-awareness. So if it's two highly self-aware people of any type combination, they could have an, a wonderful relationship. And if it's two highly unself-aware people of any type combination, they will likely struggle. They may stay I together, see. but it will be a difficult relationship. I see. And once you have identified your type, is that basically something you will have then for life? Or do you think that there's a possibility to modify your behaviors or habits to transition to a, a different number or a different type? Yeah, another great question. No, you don't actually change your Enneagram type and you don't actually want to change your Enneagram type because within your type is where all your strengths, all of your unique gifts also reside. So you may change your behavior, but your habit of attention actually is something that's going to uh, go with you through your life. And what you want to do is try to relax that habit of attention so you can share your strengths and not your weaknesses. And this is something that you're currently doing for people here in Athens or just, I guess, worldwide? It, worldwide, I'm doing corporate training. Um, I do mastermind groups where we have uh, groups that come together that work on specific, you know, actionable things in their lives. So it's a combination. It's applying this in a lot of different arenas. But yeah, ah, this is my okay. focus. Yeah. So, so, it's, so it's, it's, you're doing this also for people in the corporate world too, in, in the office. Yeah. How, how, how is it helpful in, the, in that environment? Tremendously helpful because it is really powerful for improving communication and improving teamwork. So what happens in an office is you go in and if you don't know the Enneagram, you have your habit of attention. You assume everyone else is seeing things the, the same way you are because you would have no basis to think anything else. And every now and then you're really puzzled by why somebody is acting very differently. When we work in teams, everyone identifies their own type. And then we have a, a session where we share. And so suddenly you see your coworkers in a completely different way because you finally understand like that's what's going on in their head. That's how they're understanding the situation. And it's, it's tremendously valuable. Actually, it's very interesting to watch. Okay, well, that makes sense. Just wanted to jump back to Athens a little bit too. Now, how many years did you say you've been here in total? 2012, so it'll be 10 years. In Coming February. up to 10 years. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm just curious what sorts of uh, changes you've seen in the city, if you can uh, oh, summarize wow. a few of them or, 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 or what, what direction you see Athens is going. I don't know if that's a better question or a tougher one. Funny because I came from San Francisco. And so when I first moved here, I was quite surprised by the lack of vegetarian eating. If I went to the grocery store and asked for quinoa, I just got blank stares. No one knew right. what I was talking about. Coconut milk, coconut oil, same thing. Now, uh, you know, there's multiple options. There's two brands of quinoa. There's three types of, you know, non-dairy milks. There's, you know, lots of choices. So that's yeah. been a big change. Watching kind of the recycling movement when, I, you know, it's illegal to not compost in San Francisco. And when I got here, like there was like composting was so far outside of what anyone was thinking about. Now that is starting to be part of the conversation. So I've definitely seen Athens just grow in leaps and bounds 
as it relates to kind of the, you know, conscious living, I guess, is maybe how I would describe it. That's really encouraging to hear for sure. And now just with the last, you know, couple of years, obviously, we've had the pandemic and, and you mentioned that you were teaching the yoga online a lot more. Do you think that you're going to be able to start teaching in, in person pretty soon? Or would you have like <laughs> some sort of policy about like, must be vaccinated to attend? Or what, what are your thoughts on, on, on yeah. transitioning out of the pandemic? The weather is actually going to kind of make it easy for me. So I teach on my roof deck, which is an open exposed roof deck. And it's brilliant in the spring and the summer and the fall. But frankly, it's just too cold in the winter. So there's not really a question. I won't teach on the roof deck right now because it's just too cold. I think by the spring, I am hopeful that we will have most of this story behind us. And so then we can open up again. And it's an open air roof deck. So it is a fairly safe environment as it relates to transmission of the virus, but it's open and exposed. You know, it's the plus and the minus. So it's kind of right. like dining outdoors. When it's time to dine outdoors, I'll be ready to open the roof deck again. So those will probably go together. <laughs> yeah. And people, people can be spaced out. It, it is, exactly. there is quite a bit of space there so that people can be far enough to be able to stay at a, at a safe distance so what what's what other sorts of things have you gotten into over the over this stretch you know to to sort of get through it yeah so I started doing I, I guess I would describe them as urban hikes like long walks with my dog during the lockdown because you know just to have some variety and then I started uh, going on a weekly walk with a friend of mine, and then we decided to set a goal. And so we actually climbed Mount Olympus over the summer, and we've been training for it kind of during the whole winter lockdown last time. It's amazing. If anybody listening gets a chance, go climb Mount Olympus. It is an amazing experience. Uh, just totally, it's it's physically harder than I was expecting. I will say that, but absolutely magical. How so, long of a hike is that? It's about a two-day hike. So we we it's probably like eight to nine hours kind of going up and it depends on we were going slowly sure the, um so we uh, hiked for about actually less than that probably six hours to get to the the where the refuge is and then the last part which is quite steep is about an hour and a half we did it on our own for the first six hours because that part is more like trails but the last part we actually had a guide and that was really helpful because it's quite steep actually so. on the second day yeah on the second day okay people theoretically you could do the whole thing in one day but you, you know that was more hardcore than we were so. right right <laughs> and where did you stay like overnight between the between the hikes? there are two uh, refuges up at the top so uh you can like google uh, mount olympus refugees refuges ah. and like kind of like dorms you know okay with really basic uh restaurant um very basic you know shower Living bath quarter. conditions yeah yeah, yeah. not even shower bath uh, toilets and that kind of stuff so. right 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 okay Okay. So and that was something you had to book in advance, the place to stay? Uh, yeah, with coronavirus, yes. How okay. it is normally, okay. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, you probably would want to just to make sure that you'd have a space. Make sure that you have a spot. Okay, I, I hadn't heard of this hike, but I would definitely check that out yeah, as well. <laughs> and I want to just talk a little bit. I know we talked a bit about Athens, but you've also been to quite a few of the islands. And I believe not too long ago, you organized some sort of combination surfing and yoga retreat. Is that correct? Yeah, so I have two regular regular retreats that I do one on the island of Ikaria which is a surf plus yoga retreat if you've not been to Ikaria you should go I have not been not not been there <laughs> oh, yet there's, there's so many go. islands and I'm, I'm working my way <laughs> through them like slowly but it's gonna take time to get to all of them it's gonna be special like if some people love 
it. Some people, it's not their style. Okay. Personally, I'm in the I love it category. So right. yeah, go check it out. It's far away. It's kind of on the, you know, near Samos and over towards Turkey and all that. Okay. But an amazing island. It's one of the blue zones. So an island where a disproportionate percentage of the population live to be over a hundred years old. And it's because it's got a very slow pace. It's got a very tight community. It's got, you know, very connected with nature. It's a really nice island. So I have an annual retreat there. And then I also do an annual retreat in Paros Island. And that's where we combine the Enneagram and Kundalini Yoga together. And surfing you had done uh, also in California or that was? Yeah, I had done surfing in California as well. So when I got to Ikaria, I was familiar with surfing. Yeah. How are the waves there? Waves in Ikaria are a lot less uh, reliable. <laughs> like okay. <consistent. laughs> um, but the, wa- the water is much better. So in Santa Cruz and San Francisco, it's cold. It's aggressive waves. We know there are sharks in the water. There's none of that in Ikaria. <laughs> so it's different. <laughs> okay. Okay. So beginner surfers would be able to attend this, you think, without for too much sure. issue? Yeah, for sure. And even if you're not coming with the retreat, I would say hook up with the Ikaria Surf School because those guys are absolutely professionals. They offer lessons. Um, you know, I, I say Ikaria has mellow surf. It, it generally does, but it also can have big wave days and not huge waves, but big enough that it would be intimidating for a beginner. So uh, if you hook up with the school, though, they take care of all that for you. They put you out with the instructor. And how many people are, you, are typically coming out to the to the retreats with you? Uh, so the, the Paros one is our kind of our, our regular one. So that one has been between 10 and 20 people, just depending on the year. And then Ikaria is the, we've done it for three years now. It's smaller. So maybe six to 10 people just kind of depends again on the year. Yeah. And so when are the next ones? Do you already have them booked for next year? Yeah, I'd have to check the dates, but June for sure of 2022 for Ikaria and then the end of August for Paros. End of August. Okay. So it's good to know. I can put some uh, details in the, in the description once, once we post this for, (laughs) if anybody wants to join them, I was definitely, uh, I think I found out a little bit too late for this year's uh, uh, surf and and, and yoga uh, retreat, because it (laughs) definitely would have been something that would have been good. But on the other hand, I I had the pleasure of of looking after, uh, after your pets (laughs) while while you were gone. So it, it, it worked out quite well. In, in that case. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you very much. It's, it's really uh, great that you, you know, made this journey and kind of followed your heart and, and followed like a, a different lifestyle and, and settled here. And the projects you're working on are, are really uh, super interesting and uh, I'm sure helping many, many people. So uh, congratulations on all of your success with that. And uh, thank, <laughs> thank you very much for joining. Thanks so much. I appreciate your time. Okay, so that will do it for another episode of Meanwhile in Athens. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find out more about Lynn by checking the link in the description below. And if you are enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting me by joining my Patreon. The link for that is also in the podcast description. And we will see you next time.